Welcome to the CIM Marketing Podcast. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM Podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Hello everybody and welcome to the final CIM Podcast episode of this season. Summer is almost upon us, the school's are about to break up and what better way to mark this grand finale than a visit from one of our favourites, Claire Kemsley, who is the UK and Ireland Managing Director for Marketing at Hayes. Claire, how are you today? I'm great, thanks Ben. Delighted to be here and uh, really looking forward to the conversation on on what we know are going to be the challenges moving forward, uh, not, not, not least of all the hybrid working and how and when we get back to the office and then what the shape and shift of our marketing teams will look like. How, how and when indeed, you know, I should say we're also joined by another favourite, which is Gemma Butler from CIM itself at Moore Hall, Marketing Director. Gemma, good to see you again. Thank you, good to be back again. And the question was how and when. Well, this is being recorded on the 8th of July. So we are just over a week away from the 19th of July. We are being promised all lockdown restrictions will be removed. And one of the key restrictions that will be removed will be the government guidance for everybody to work from home. And I think before we go into a little bit more detail about the shifts in roles in marketing. Claire, I think it's probably pertinent of me to ask you about that. How has the working from home been in the sector and do you envisage it continuing? Well, I think when we spoke last time, um, we felt we might be coming through the other side. But of course, we then had a, another lockdown and a much longer lockdown. The, the research we did in January, February this year showed that marketers uh, above most other professions from a percentage um, perspective still felt isolated. Um, their challenge with well-being was obviously um, a concern. I mean, that was the same across most professions. We all felt concerned, I think, with our well-being and that of our staff. But I think for marketeers, they also missed the collaboration. Um, and, and and therefore, in, in, in their world, I think that meant they, they, they felt they were missing the creativity and the innovation. And in fact, a lot of the marketing employers said that that was their biggest challenge, coming up with those new products, thinking, hearing, listening. Um, it, I think for marketeers working from home constantly, um, when they're used to working in teams in that environment that's energised, I think it's been a slightly stifling. And what the research shows is they are... They are keen to work more collaboratively, but interestingly, actually, Gemma, they're not the keenest to go back to the old way of working, potentially in an office if they're in a public services or corporate environment, um, four or five days a week. So I think I think that's where we were, um, and and I think moving forward that might be a challenge getting those teams back together. Does that reflect your experience, Gemma? How have you found these last 17, 18 months when you've been working mostly from uh, your home? I mean, well, I, I've been lucky enough to uh, to pop in and out of my own office because there's not really anyone there, but I did that for my own mental health and well-being, you know, to strike up routine. But uh, I think it's a conversation that organisations are having all around the world. And I've been listening to quite a lot of podcasts on, you know, the psychology of people going back um, to work um, and being sort of that perception of going back to the office is really interesting because for 18 months we haven't had to make those types of decisions so our brains have effectively switched off from saying I need to go to that dinner party I need to go into the office I need to catch that train so I think that's part of the struggle I think the other thing is um, you know is around 
flexibility being, you know, the flexibility of the employer, the inflexibility of the employee goes both ways. And I was only reading this week that Apple have put their foot down and said, you know, three days in the office, two days at home, because they've spent billions on retail and offices to meet their employees' needs over the years. Other organisations are saying categorically, you're coming back five days a week. And others are saying, we're not going to reopen our offices till next year. So I think it's probably one of the biggest conversations happening. And I don't think anybody has an answer right now as to how it's going to pan out. Still, that's an interesting point about the psychology of it all, isn't it, Claire? That actually suddenly the logistics have been removed from our brain. And then suddenly at some stage, you would expect them, whether we're going in five days a week, three days a week or two days a week, they're going to have to come back into our brain. And that's going to be something we've got to almost retune ourselves to. Yes, I completely agree. And in fact, um, we've just done some research. It's literally come out last week uh, on, around this kind of hybrid working. What does the future look like? Um, and it was I think it was just over eight, eight and a half thousand um, individuals, employees and employers. And, and, and it's really interesting, Jenny, you're right, because, you know, 89 percent, for example, of employers are not planning to offer any incentive to encourage people back to the workplace. And yet, if we dig a bit deeper, 52% of respondents said, actually, I'd be looking for paid or subsidised travel. Now, not they weren't necessarily looking for that before. And 32% are now saying, actually, I'd be more inclined to return to the workplace if I got subsidised lunch. So this is, this is really interesting. These weren't questions that people were necessarily looking to be answered by an employer before. And um, what would tempt most employees to change jobs is actually the ability to choose when they work from home. 61% want to choose when, that's a huge number. Um, and actually 10% said, well, maybe I'd consider working in the workplace four days a week. And thereafter, they're very, very minor percentages. So you're absolutely right. There's There's been a huge shift in our mindset. And somehow marketing directors, comms directors are going to have to work really closely with their teams to get some kind of agreement. I mean, and it might be personal for me to mention here in Hayes, we did some internal research. So we, we um, actually reached out, I suppose, through a survey to every single one of our staff, regardless of level of job, every single member, and saying, we want your input. We want to know what the future might look like for you. And they had options, um, whether it was five days, four days, three days, or um, two days. And actually, what they voted for was a five-day fortnight. So yeah. they will come in three days, one week, and two the next. However, for our associates, including our less experienced marketeers, they need to come in for five days until they get through their first training. It's, it's not a reward. Um, we don't want it to be seen like that, but it's more of an encouragement. We, we can support you better if you're in. And as you get more confident and more competent and more confident in what you want to do with your customers, then you can spend more of that time at home. And I think a blend is great for marketeers, particularly marketeers, because you get that space to think, Gemma, you get that space to really take a granular look at the data. What is your customer journey at the moment? What are people really feeling about your brand? Is your sense of purpose really out there? Whereas, and they're important questions, but sometimes we think those questions in the office, but we don't have time to answer them. So I think this blended hybrid from the research is, is, a, is a good idea. Lots of people do want it, but I think there's quite a discord between what the employers, the marketing directors, comms directors think is right for the business and the brand and what those employees really want to do. People have recalculated, they recalibrated that a travel cost and a food cost, a lunch cost, if you like, is a deduction on their salary. Whereas before, 
before all this happened, everybody just thought that was part and parcel of the working life. That Gemma Butler, as someone who runs a department, if 61% of people are now looking for that as a perk or as a part of their contract, that is going to be a challenge, isn't it, for directors and leaders of teams when recruiting? I, I think the whole thing is a challenge right now. I, I'm kind of, a, of of the mindset that I don't think anyone really knows what they want until they start to do it. I have a feeling that it is all going to go full circle. And as people come back into the world of working and socialising and those conversations you don't have and those experiences that you don't get by working from home, I think people will then decide that they want to come back in the office. And again, I, I'm an avid podcast listener and I've been listening to uh, Steve Bartlett's uh, Diary of a CEO podcast. And, you know, he's had some some very, you know, Mary Porter, some people like that. And they are absolutely against, you know, people working from home on a long term basis because of all the life experiences and experiences that you don't plan into your day, you just won't have. And for your mental health and well-being, it's it's not good. So I think as employers, we have we have a duty of care to those people that work for us that we need to think about. We also have to look at, you know, how we are. Uh, I guess, give people objectives and measure productivity. I don't never believed it's been through time. It's also, you know, it's always about outputs. But I think until you start doing these things, I don't think you could framework it out. And I'm, I'm from my perspective, I'm going to let my team sort of go through the next year of, ex, of trying to experiment and experience it and, and see what works for the business and what works for them. Now, I've just been doing some work with Duke University, actually, with my other journalistic hat on. And uh, Sanyin Saying there calls it the chit chat imperative, which is that, you know, this is what's missing if, from remote work. It's that informal, uh, instinctive collaboration that you don't necessarily get if you're working from home or trying to collaborate, uh, you know, through a computer screen. Is that a priority for you, Claire, that, you know, whatever we do, wherever we land, whether it's a five day fortnight or four days in the office a week or all back in the office or all back at home, that we somehow make sure that we are finding this time for face-to-face -face collaboration and from that, presumably, creativity and marketing. Absolutely. Where the challenge lies also, um, if you're not working together as a team, then I think obviously there's an impact on culture. And I think most brands have, have, have really worked hard and some have struggled more than others with maintaining the culture for their for their individuals. And also the impact that the culture of your brand then has it when it's externalised to your customer base. So I, I think that that is a, it's a really big question on, you know, how do we make this a good move and what's the other impact? I also feel talking to um, lots of uh, comms directors and marketing directors over the last three months, there's a real challenge about transfer of skill sets in teams. If I'm not there listening to somebody talking about the analytics of the piece of data they find and what it shows me, if I'm not listening to the person who's developing the content design, and then I have a deeper understanding of what impact that's having on the customer journey, my learning ability, I think, can be stifled. Now, I know Gemma may say that the um, lots of uh, marketeers have well, hundreds of marketers, thousands have taken it upon themselves to do extensive external learning through uh, platforms such as CIM to upskill themselves, which is brilliant. 
And mm -hmm. I've always said that of all the professions I've worked with, I've never known a profession that are constantly looking to learn, constantly looking to upskill. But I do think there's an element of that osmosis in a team that you hear, you listen, you learn, you think. And that I think particularly in marketing, alongside how marketers have said they feel more isolated, um, less able to collaborate and, and not as creative and innovative. I think that's that, that's a, that's a real um, a real pot that's going to need a lot of stirring to uh, to, to get right. You know what I like about this debate is we are now discussing two conflicting positives, whereas before, I think, we were discussing a positive and negative. And one thing that we were talked about a lot right at the start of this 16, 17 months ago was this issue of trust, that the reason that working from home had never taken off was assumed to be a lack of trust. We've got over that. We've bitten that bullet. The trust is now there. What we're seeing now is we're saying, well, remote working has other flaws through collaboration and creativity. But this experience, if you like, whether it's been a good thing, a bad thing, or, or, or somewhere in the middle, has at least shot that fox about trust and that we do now trust people largely uh, to get on with it. Yeah, I think, I think again, if I look at the data, we've only just got this data through um, from the hybrid working, you know, 50, 59, 59 and 60% of, of the employers came back and said, we're going to ask our people, marketing, comms and all our team, and ask them how they'd like to work. I can't imagine most of the businesses I've dealt with over the last X number of years willingly one day deciding this is a good plan. Let's ask our people how they'd like to work. Of course, they have that empathy and of course they have different methodologies of working. But that real big question, i.e., do you want to come into an office and work or don't you? That's the question we're really asking people, aren't we? That would not have been asked by most organisations that bluntly. So I think that's a really positive step forward. There's, there's the trust. Actually, we're going to trust our employees to share with us and then we're going to make some decisions on it. And, um, and, and those companies that are doing that, I think, will have an edge when they're attracting the talent because that element of trust that conversation where we went to our employees, we talked about it, this is what they wanted. I like that if I'm looking for a role in marketing. I like the fact you've been collaborative already and I've not even joined you. So that would that would show me. Um, and also about, I think it's about 45% of employers, I should say, have said that we're creating a more collaborative space. Some are reducing space, but they are shifting the shape of it and creating more collaborative space. So again, if I was looking for my next move in marketing and I'm talking to someone like Gemma who says, this is what we've done physically, this is what we've done holistically, I'm, I'm bought into that brand that has empathy with their employees, which I would then imagine is transferred to the customer. So yeah, I think it's a bigger question and has more of an impact than just what do I feel about working where I work? It has the ramifications are huge, don't you think, Gemma? I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of, of us being given this opportunity through having to work remotely of understanding what works and what doesn't work in terms of productivity. So it's allowed us to have that question of, what, you know, how do you want to work? And it's allowed us to go, OK, some roles can't work from home. Some roles can be fully flexible. Some roles have to be on site. And I think, you know, it's just about I think we're in a, in a period of complete unknown and I think we've just got to hit a point where we start doing and then learn from the experience as we go I don't think there's any magic formula but if your business needs to survive then that has got to be your number one priority otherwise everybody's going to be working from somewhere else aren't they well, they are I mean it strikes me that what we've talked a lot about today is about making magic happen when human beings come together and in order to do that, in order to bring people together and get the best out of each other, it's long been said, we need to find good, strong, soft skills amongst marketers. 
Is that still a demand, Claire, in the industry, or have we moved on to something else as we look into the post-pandemic world? Well, no, interestingly, when we did the big salary survey piece that Gemma kindly um, uh, wrote an article in for us way back in November 2020, which seems a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Um, We've done what they call a pulse, I think marketers will call it a pulse survey. I'm not quite sure what that is, but apparently we do a pulse survey. And it just gives us some, some highlights of some of the conversations that were had last November, December. And one of them was around the highly sought after skills across discipline. In marketing, very, very significantly, the three top skills that came up, one of them was the ability to adapt, the ability to adapt. But the second one was the ability to adopt change. And it took me a while to realise how different they fundamentally are. So the ability to, to adapt um, it is really important, but the ability to adopt change. And the third one was communication skills. And they were very highly ranked. And again, uh, if you looked at percentages of other professions for marketeers, those three were in, in, in you know, from Jan, Feb, March, but become very, very important. Interestingly, um, across most professions in our latest Pulse survey, they are coming to the top. So not so it appeared that uh, six months back, three months back, marketers, you've got to be able to adopt to change. We've got to be able to see you uh, have the ability to adapt and adopt because they're quite different and communication. But across other professions now, you're, you're seeing in HR, you're seeing in tech, you're seeing those are coming to the fore. It's interesting. They're all recognising that those skill sets that marketers, I think, naturally have, but have been sort of catapulted into into this this space of need and ability to pivot and be agile. Um, other professions are saying, actually, we need to be able to do the same. And I think this is partly driven by, as I use the word catapult, but marketing has become so uh, much more recognised, I've seen, in the last uh, year as being the voice of the customer. And people have come to you for your for your thoughts and come to you for support and for help. And much more, I think, so than happened before. And I think this will continue. And about time, and rightly so, we should sit at the heart of strategy. Of course we should, and setting objectives as marketeers. But I'm interested, I think that's impacted on other disciplines, and I'd be interested in Gemma's view, on other disciplines that are now thinking, actually, we need to be more in line with this this way of, of, of working. Is that at the expense of a focus on digital and technical skills? It seems that you're saying that the demand for sort of big picture people, big ideas people, collaborators, communicators, is almost superseding. No, I, I wish it was. I think the challenge is it's as well as... So these are the soft skills we're talking about here. These are the soft skills. When it comes to those technical skills, um, SEO, PPC, paid social, um, product, CRM, data analytics, there is still a huge demand. Employer-led, so not agency-registered, employer-led, there are over 24,000 jobs for marketers at the moment in the UK. 23,790, I'm a salesperson, right? 24. It's huge. Those are direct employer led. And at the top of the pile for the last um, six to eight months, product manager, um, comms, head of marketing. In the last three months, head of marketing has come to the top. That is, I think, the bigger picture role. And I think people are now thinking we've gone through some more technical transformation. We know we've got skills shortages, but we need someone who's got that overarching view of, of that real knowledge of the depth and breadth of what marketing really is all about. Jeremy, you're a recruiter yourself. You, you you hire for your own department. How do you go about reconciling that, the people you need with the technical skills, but actually trying to find, do these people have that big picture ideas sort of brain 
as well as being able to do the nuts and bolts of the technology? I think it depends on on the role that you are hiring for. If I'm looking for someone who is technical and pure SEO, then I'm going to go out for an SEO executive. If I'm looking for somebody with that broader range of skills, they're going to be a marketing manager and they can see the bigger picture. I think, you know, interestingly, um, amongst, you know, we track the courses that we that we sell as CIM uh, on a daily basis. But it, there's a real trend that, that continues to show, which is, yes, digital is still a number one seller. We're not going to get away from that. But brand and strategy is up there all the time and copywriting still remains the, the in the top three as well. So, you know, that but that packaged up, you've got the tech stuff in there with the digital and the need to be able to understand the platforms and how you get the reach out to your audience. And then you've got copywriting, brand and strategy, which is all about, you know, communication and and how do you how do you talk to your customers? How do you take that data and turn it into something that's a story, whether that's to go and report to your to your C-suite or whether you take that out, you know, and, and try and sell your propositions or talk about your brand and what your brand does and why it does it. So, yeah, I think communication across the board, we've been in a in an 18 month communication fog, to be honest, haven't we? So um, it's uh, it, it's really, really important. In terms of the skills development of candidates themselves or employees themselves, Claire, is there a generational aspect to it? Do you see a difference in what sorts of skills uh, people are holding and people are looking to improve depending on what generation they're from? I think the gap is is, is becoming narrower. The, the, the market executives who've been in, in the world for three or four years now in marketing, they're, they're wanting to move into those wider roles. Um, and I think the heads of, um, whether it's comms or marketing, are, are, are being aware that they really need to upskill, put some time, energy and effort into that too. So I, I think it's becoming a, a more level playing field. But of course, as soon as you learn one thing, something else comes along. This is a really interesting point, isn't it? What you need to learn about the technologies and so on and the disciplines you need to learn about are constantly changing. Um, and there's only so much space, one would think, in the human brain to learn stuff and to be good at stuff uh, and to be competent at, at various technologies. I mean, overall, Gemma, do you think you're better if you want to build a career, earn the best money and attract the best employers to be a specialist or a generalist? Oh, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I think, you know, technology is getting, you know, the tools get more complex. They change all the time. That's how they make their money, isn't it? So, um, and, you know, the less you can understand them, the more they can claim they do stuff, really. It's it's that magic formula that sits above tech, isn't it? It bamboozles you into investing into it and delivers all these promises. It depends what you're interested in. I don't think there is any wrong or right answer to this, but I think always make sure even if you are going down a specialist route, that you invest in the soft skills, that you can communicate, you can, um, you know, engage with stakeholders across the business and, you know, you can present to them and talk to them to get them to buy into what you do. I think they're fundamental skills for anyone in a career, whether it's marketing or sales or HR, is those people skills. And I think, you know, whilst, whilst 2020 has effectively accelerated digital transformation whether organizations didn't want to do it or were falling behind the need to communicate has become far more stronger because we are all behind a screen and we're all spending our days on our own and we've absolutely seen a huge surge in 2020 in marketers realizing they either have fallen way behind on their skill sets or 
actually, I'm going to take this time to really, really upskill myself in the areas that I may not have a job in those areas, but I'm almost future proofing myself for moving forward because I don't know if my organisation will survive or they will keep me. I would say to any marketer out there, take care of yourself and your skill sets and, you know, take the time to think about where you might want to go and then go and investigate how you get there um, um, is probably the only thing you can do. Uh, we've seen a huge increase in the number of needs for brilliant comms people, you know, communication officers, people who can create a great story and narrative, internal and external, huge demand, fabulous role to be in. So I think there's always a danger that we get excited about the tech um, and all the new buzzwords. We need to think about the fundamental principles of the marketing world, which is, you know, am I meet, reaching the needs of my customers? Do I understand them? And in fact, comms became the most important space for a long time, didn't it? The internal employees and not just external customer-facing content. So, I, And I think that will continue. If you're someone who has a series of technical skills, you can certify that, you can accredit that. If you're someone who's trying to prepare yourself for a role, asking yourself the question, do I have the relevant soft skills? Do I have the correct communication skills, the collaboration skills? Is something a lot harder to self-certify. How does one go about that to sort of really sort of interrogate whether or not you have the, the requisite skills so you can attract the best employees and the best jobs? whether you get the job or not during the interview, because that that kind of is where those skills come to the fore, isn't it? You know, if you have three people with the same level of technical skill set, it's going to come down to how they, you know, how they sell themselves, how they talk, how, you know, do you think they're a right fit culturally and all of those things? But I think, you know, what is it about you as a person and how you do self-certify your, your I guess, that self-awareness on your own communication skills and interpersonal skills is is really key i don't know the answer but now you've got me thinking about it oh i'll ask you claire i mean if you're if you're sort of you're an equal candidate and you keep missing out the chances are that you're missing out because of your social skills or your soft skills and so on and so forth but the, the challenge with that to my mind is that presumably they're a lot harder to accrue and learn than a technical skill which you can which you sort of teach yourself particularly in this environment where we're not naturally accruing social skills and soft skills as we would maybe in a more interactive uh, uh, personalised office environment. Uh, what we, we say to, to individuals is, is try and find some examples, try and find a situation that doesn't have to be in your marketing world where you've actually had to adapt um, very quickly or you've had to adopt a change or where you have actually been able to communicate something in a in a more stronger vein or in a more positive way. Have you done a piece of work? When was the last time you, you know, you, you had a conversation with somebody external? So we try and get them to find real life examples of where they where they may not realise they've shown that skill sexy. This is interesting. So it's, it's some some people. Um, don't realise they've got these skill sets, they're just not using them, or they're using them, but they don't know what they're called. And that's not meant to be patronising. It's, you know, um, it, you know it, if they've been working, for example, in a part-time job in Tesco's, which is the example I gave in the, the academy panel, but they've got, a, you know, a, a graduate who's got two years experience, but they, they were sent home from university, they've got up at two o'clock every morning to do a 10-hour you know, shift in the pick and pack at Tesco's, and they, they get excited about the people who've been there 25 years, and they get on really well with them. That's good communication. That shows adaptability. That's someone who's able to change. Talk about it in your interview, but they wouldn't necessarily think that Gemma would be interested in that. But Gemma would. What you got up at two o'clock, six days a week, all the way through that pandemic, to, to pick and pack at Tesco's, and your view was Tesco's look after their people because their staff have been there 25 years. Wow, 
that's that's more marketing knowledge than you think you've got because you you surveyed it and also that's an example of adaptability so i do do try and say to people think about a work example and um, where you can show that think about a, a difficult position where you, you found it difficult to communicate why did you find it difficult to communicate and how could we do that differently i think mentoring you know mentoring has been huge in 2020 and I think that again could be if you've got a question about your soft skills am I coming across as personable am I communicate how would I communicate this how do I tell this story if you have a mentor you could talk that through with them they could probably you know say from my experience you need to look at x y and z and then and, and apply that Tesco's example you've just given around you know that could completely translate through to showing that you are you adapt you adopt you you're hardworking, all of those different skill sets. So I think mentoring is probably, in answer to my own question that's been running through my head, a really strong way of doing that. 24,000, 24,000 marketing jobs out there. And by searching inside yourself a bit about things that you've done and your successes, problems you've tackled, perhaps even outside of the traditional marketing space, you can help yourself think about how actually am I uh, developing those soft skills? How am I delivering those soft skills so you've got something to tell your interviewer uh, when he or she asks you when you go for that job and secondly ask somebody else ask a mentor find a mentor it could be a, a friend a relation it could be someone in the business that you're currently working in how am I coming across am I being personable other things that I can do what have I done well what have I done badly so if you can do that there are lots of jobs out there for you 24,000 Claire Kemsley is telling us and in this autumn, we're going to be recruiting quickly to try and build ourselves out of this pandemic and grow again. Stats show that 67% of marketing employers are looking to recruit. 77% can't find the skill set and 61% of marketeers are going to change job in the next 12 months. So it sounds like the perfect storm um, for a recruiter, but actually it's going to be a real challenge. However, it's really exciting and that number of jobs will ebb and flow. But I just want to put out there, I suppose, the messages. It's a great place to be at the moment in the world of marketing. There's so many roles in marketing now. It, it almost needs another name. Claire Kemsley, Gemma Butler, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the CIM Marketing Podcast on your platform of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can also join the conversation on Twitter at CIM underscore exchange, where we'll keep you updated about the latest episodes. See you next time. CIM Marketing Podcast.